When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. I'm glad you're here today. A reading from the Epistle of St. Paul to the Romans. The Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all, Will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Another parable Jesus put before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven 
is like the master of a household who brings out from his treasury what is new and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I have to admit that sometimes I don't know how to pray for you. Have you ever had that problem where someone will share something with you and you really don't know how to pray? There's always the punting to God's will. There is certainly biblical precedent for this. Jesus in the garden, nevertheless, not mine, but thy will be done. When someone is sick, when someone is diseased, someone is dying, someone is facing a life-threatening crisis, we pray that God's will will be done sometimes. Other times we pray that they'll get better. If they're 99 in the ICU, it's more of a God's will be done prayer. If they're 9, it's more of a please God heal this child And everybody in the middle, between 9 and 99, we don't really know how to pray for them always. There's parts of our minds and hearts that kind of wonder if what we think is best for them is what God has as best for them. When it comes to other issues that are not health-related, it's even harder. Do we want that person to stay in that relationship? Do we want that person to stay in that job? Does God want them to do those things? How do we pray for people when we're not really sure what God wants or what we want or even what they want? A lot of therapy, and I've been to a lot of therapy, I'm not a therapist, but I've been to a lot of therapy is helping the patient, the client, lots of these great terms, figure out what they want. Do you ever have a therapist ask you, what do you want here? What do you want? It's so hard to do, to want something or know what you want. Most of our wants are very abstract. I want happiness. I want peace. I want love. I want joy. But what do you want here? Do you want to move to another city and get another job? Do you want to stay together? Do you want to break up? Do you want to start a new career? Do you want to move to another apartment? Do you want this? What do you want? It's so hard to know what we want. Irving Yalom, I think it was Irving Yalom. Please look this up and correct me. I'll print a retraction if I'm wrong. Oh, I don't know if it was Irving Yalom or not. Now I'm getting mixed up. Somebody that I read back in the 2000s, the early 2000s, whatever you call that, 00 to 10, 2010, said that they went to a conference where the speaker had everybody pair up Don't you hate that when they do that? Pair up, turn to your neighbor, and just start saying 
I want blank. I want blank. I want blank. And just keep listing things that you want. Listing things that you want till you run out of things that you want. And they said that it was kind of silly at first. I want a jet ski. I want to go to Cancun. I want to be rich. I want to be comfortable. I want to be in love. I want to be happy. But as they kept going, as they kept going, they found that they were really starting to get to the base root of what they actually wanted. And it was stuff that was just really, really, really hard to want or to admit to wanting. I want my father to say I'm a good man. I want my, you know, I don't know know all the things that they said. I was not there. But when you get to really dig down into what you want, suddenly you find that there's a real grief in that because these things that we want are nearly, or at least they seem, unattainable. And what is it that we want? How do we know what we want? How do we know what to pray for? Paul has that same problem in Romans. He is so weak that he doesn't even know how to pray. But he says that in those moments of weakness, where we don't even know what we want, we want like good stuff, but we don't know what we want. And if we don't know what we want, we certainly can't figure out how to get what we want. These are good things that the Spirit comes in and intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. I don't know what this sounds like. It's this deep groaning of the world, the deep groaning of our souls, the deep sigh and weariness of our existence. Here we are at our most primal. Here we are at our most raw. We are unable to keep that thin veneer of civilization up and we just lay on the floor and groan and sigh. And it is at that moment, those moments, that the Spirit of God is right there with us. Because God knows our heart. God knows your heart and the heart of the Spirit that is in you. And God is interceding for you to get your groaning in the Spirit to come into alignment with what God has for you. Because ultimately, everything is moving in the direction God wants it to move in. This is Paul's argument in Romans 8, that all of this foreknowledge and predestination and all this calling that God has called you to and justification that God has said that you are righteous and then glorification that ultimately you will be who God has made you to be, that you will be all those things and everybody will know it because God is for us, not against us.
we often get the sense that God hates us. And we get that from parental messages of judgment. We get that from other people that tell us that we're not good enough. But ultimately, God is for us. And nobody can be against us. And it, we learn that in the sacrifice of Jesus. We learn that when we look at his cross and we look at his love and we look at his arms stretched out on the hard wood of the cross. We see that there, that God is for us. So there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is at the center of everything. And so nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Not anything you can do or not do. You are good. You are okay. There is a work being done in you that is unstoppable. That cannot be quenched. If you're listening to this podcast today, the Spirit has called you. I don't know how else to say it, but I really think that it is our desire to grow, our desire to follow Jesus. It is our desire to be more loving, be more kind, be more patient, be brave. It is our desire for these things that is ultimately part of that plan that God has always had for us. And we are just following those groans that we groaned at a certain point in our life where we weren't sure if we'd ever make it. Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword separate us from the love of Christ? No, we're more than conquerors. Nothing, nothing, rulers, angels, things present, things to come, powers or height or depth, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you have to live that in the moments of groaning. Believing that is really hard to do when things are falling, when life is slipping away, where hope is dying, where we feel like we're not going to make it. All of these things are really, 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 really hard to believe. And that's why 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote them in this letter because he knew that they would have trouble in Rome believing this stuff. And that's why we have the story of Jesus dying on the cross for you to show us what love is like, what love looks like, what love can be like, this kind of self-sacrificial love that means that even if things aren't working out in your life, that you are loved. There's a huge... And the teaching of Jesus in the gospel reading from today that I read, which you may not remember, <laughs> the mustard seed, a tiny seed that grows into a giant tree that birds nest in, and all the other ways that little things become big, that ultimately this is what God is doing in your life. And you cannot see it because it's growth. Growth is slow. It's, it's painfully slow. In the fitness world, we often talk about results, seeing results, getting results if you work out enough. And 
it seems like, and they always say like, don't expect results. Don't expect results. Wait, wait, wait. It'll, but we still do. And they actually do come pretty fast when it comes to physical fitness. If you do some kind of exercise every day, um, you're going to get better at exercising. And actually the results come quite fast. But in the spiritual life, in the spiritual world, the world of the spirit where you are again, living into the love of God, living as if you are loved, knowing that you are loved, um, that is a lot slower. It is a lifetime of, of this love. Um, but I knew it when I was a kid. I remember that planting of the mustard seed when I was little, and it never left me, even in the times where I wasn't sure I was going to make it even in the times where I was despairing and unsure, even in those times, I knew that that seed was inside me, the mustard seed of God's love. And even though I have wandered and fallen and crashed and burned a million times and still will, that that seed is still growing because it's a seed, because it was planted by God, not by me. Ultimately, I need to live and do everything in pursuit of that goal. It is amazing what can happen when we live for love. When we do what Joy Clarkson writes in her book, we give it all away. We give it all away. That's how you live in a world that is full of turmoil and terrorism and crisis and hate and all these other things. You give it away. You take that love that God has given you and you give it because it's not a limited resource. There is a deep well of God's love that you can never, ever, ever exhaust. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Believe that today. And if you can, live it today. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.